0: Subscribe to the podcast Beyond Politics. They host some of the biggest names and smartest minds. Beyond Politics is from a former Democratic congressman who helped ignite Barack Obama's campaign and a former campaign manager and political columnist. They go beyond the usual chatter on politics, news, science, and books. It's politics and everything beyond. On Beyond Politics, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show for your Monday. Good to be with you today. Matt and Patrick here. Michael Broadcorp comes by here in the 4 o'clock hour. But, of course, it is my privilege, my pleasure to welcome on from the Blue Amp YouTube channel our good friend, from the great state of Ohio, Cliff Schechter, kind enough to join us today to uh, talk about various things, including we're going to start with baseball, because I think we've converted Cliff into a Twins fan at this point after yesterday's game. Cliff, thank you very much. I appreciate the time.
1: <laughs> oh, first of all, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. You, I was I was a long-ago convert. I like I the Twins, and um, good team, fun team, and, you know, like... I hate most of the other teams in there, so that helps too. <laughs> um, it comes down to, I like two teams, you guys and the Phillies. I would be happy with either the Phillies or the Twins. Those are my two, two teams I am rooting for to go to the, to go to, I almost said the Super Bowl, ha uh. Uh, to go to the World Series and um, and then would be happy with either of them winning. Um, and as long as, as the, Ast- the cheating Astros lose, uh, I am happy, oh, that was just so much fun seeing Correa go back in and do it to his old team, and it just it, it warmed my heart.
0: You know, as a, it, it's nice to talk to you, because obviously this town is just all twins all the time right now, so it's nice to talk to someone who's a baseball fan out of the, out of the cities here. Uh, Lopez yesterday, how good was he?
1: I mean, <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. I mean, there, uh, there was a whole lot of unhittable mixed in there. Yeah. I mean, there you know like uh, it was I mean that was you know look it, it's always tough to give away someone like Araeus who's you know a great contact hitter and and you know obviously you know batting title and and the rest but like clearly you guys needed another Front line
0: pitcher, and, and oh boy, did you get one! Yeah, so yeah, he he played well, and then also uh, your th- thoughts on what could possibly be if his, if his health holds out? I mean, he's already had some ACL problems, but Royce Lewis looks like I mean, he he looks like the poster child for the MLB. You know, it's it's one of those guys you see coming up, and you are saying, you know, this guy if he stays healthy could end up being the next big superstar of baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, like we, I, I always feel like there is like a Half dozen, you know, or so of those guys every year. I feel like, you know, here in Cincinnati, we had Ellie De La Cruz, who just had flashes of absolute brilliance, and, and a, a smile—a smile that lights up a city, right? But uh, you know, I could see a couple of those guys. You know, Royce Lewis is right there with. I mean, how incredible to do that at, at, at you know at that stage, um, on that stage, you know, right right from the get go. Incredible. Yeah. So yeah, he'd be. I'd be rooting for him. He'd be I hope he's he's okay. He'd be a lot of fun to watch uh dominate for a decade and a half or so.
0: You are a Yankees fan. Can I ask you what the heck's up with the Baltimore Orioles? I mean, this was a team that didn't look like it was going to lose a game in at, at all in the playoffs and now they are on the ropes. They are one out of one loss away from being out of the playoffs completely because the Rangers have dominated them for two games. What's going on with the Orioles?
1: I, that's what you get for taking both the Minnesota Twins and New York Yankees cast off Aaron Hicks, you know? Mm. I don't know what to tell you. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> actually, Hicks seems like he's playing. Hicks seems like he's having a little bit of a rebirth since he left us. Um, I, I mean, you know how this stuff goes. It's so strange, right? Yeah. I'll never forget, you know, I'm, I'm just old enough to remember the 96 Yankees uh, Oh, way back then where, you know, we lost the first two games at home to the Braves and people were like, the, the 27 Yankees couldn't even beat these guys. You know, like in in Atlanta, that's what the and then we won four in a row, and the Yankees won the first of those World Series because we just got hot and had some key players that came up big, and you just you never know, right? Mm-hmm. And look, right now, it's on paper it should be the Orioles, but yeah. like you know, as they always say, we don't play the games on paper, and Texas has got some great players, so I don't know, very strange. I would have thought, uh, you know, yes, I thought the Orioles would have gone, and they're not done yet, but uh, but I, I wouldn't have thought that we would have seen what we saw the last two games, so.
0: Well, uh it's it's hey, it's it's a long series. You still got to get through Houston, then you're looking at either Baltimore or or Texas and then you're looking at whoever comes out of the National League. So it is, I mean, October is a long month and you got a lot of games to go, but I can't tell you how this city which has been since the 91 series. And don't get me wrong, we have the Lynx and they won a few WNBA championships and the the Gopher hockey team, I mean hockey is king up in Minnesota here, and they they won a few yeah. college hockey tournament a uh, college hockey titles. But you know, the reality is is this. This is one of the big big sports, you know, the fact that we got a team in the playoffs, they got the win yesterday. I, I'll tell you what, if they would have lost yesterday after the Vikings lost, I I gotta tell you, this town this town would not be a happy place today. But right now, well, there it, it's was another
1: there was another team of yours. I'll say quickly. I, I was pulling hard for because I can't stand Kansas City either. So, uh, damn it! I was hoping uh, uh, that uh, the Vikings would pull that one out. But uh, uh, you know, the, 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 they don't look as good this year, Kansas City. They keep sort of barely winning. All right. So I'm hoping that means that maybe they're they're about to
2: fall.
0: That's if, my hope. If the twins keep going, I'm going to have you I'm going to have you on speed dial through the rest of October. The twins keep going here. I want you I mean, because you you and I both know baseball pretty well and are big fans. And so I'm I might just have you on for a baseball day at some That's, point here. I'm
1: I'll just come on. I'll be the new twins analyst on your uh you know, just on on your show, I'd right. love to, man. You know, I love to talk baseball. The other stuff that we have to talk about now yeah. is very necessary to talk about, yet a little bit more depressing.
0: Yeah, and and and, and let's let's get into this. First of all, um, this attack by Hamas is just—it's disturbing. It's despicable. It is ugly. I mean, just at the one at the music festival, they killed 260 people there. I mean, it yeah. just, it, it's you know, it, to a point. I I also. I'm of the mindset is how this is Hamas i mean they they've not how do they get the tactical advantage to be able to do a strike like this?
1: Well, I mean, it seems to me that that first of all, as we know, um, the problem with right wing governments is they're right wing governments they think they know everything they're ideologues by nature, so they can never be wrong, and they do lots of stupid things i i I would say to you think George W. Bush in Iraq after we were attacked uh, by al qaeda and so uh, you know, it seems like that they were such extremists and they so wanted to push Israeli settlements out into the West Bank and all these, you know, and other, you know, places up north that they had a lot of their troops and everybody up north. And they'd been told Netanyahu and his crew of criminals had been told by the IDF and others, we are susceptible to an attack from the south. Clearly, Iran saw this. Iran worked with them, apparently, which makes me think Iran. That we could see Iran getting bombed soon, and I'm not saying I'm hoping for that. But if they were involved, you can expect that 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 Israel will do that. And and you know the thing is is uh, they, so they left the south susceptible to all this, and they you know and and I mean I don't know what their the hell their intelligence has been doing, but by God, what are, I mean again, it's up there with 9/11 in terms of the kind of intelligence failure. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that that you know. Whatever Netanyahu's government, what they've done to Gazan civilians, which I condemn all the time and say is disgusting, this right-wing Israeli government, it doesn't, when I see these people try to make, say, well, Israel deserved it. Civilians never deserve it. And there's nothing that gets me angrier than that. When I see people say stuff like that in the United States, I'm like, well, then I guess when Trump was our president, you should have been massacred. Mm -hmm. Because we had a right-wing lunatic. You know, civilians never deserve to be raped, to have their kids murdered in front of them, to be kidnapped. I mean, and what what the, these barbarians did—Hamas in the south—you know. I hope every single damn one of them. I'd say worse things if we weren't on. on if I wouldn't get you fined, will be wiped from this earth what? because they're 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 not human. They're scum, and it's the same thing for the Azerbaijanis who've done the same to Armenian civilians. It's the same with the Russians who've done the same thing to to civilians in in Ukraine. You know, it's it's like we're fight, again stuck in this place where. The, the old pre-World War II order of authoritarianism and eugenics and, and hatred, tribal hatred, is, is trying to sort of throw out the post-World War II order of the world, trying to head towards democracy and working together. It's fighting back. And, I mean, we're, we're going to have to stop all of these guys because they're all allies. And by the way, maybe Donald Trump shouldn't have shared, uh, uh, you know, Israeli secrets with Lavrov and Sislyak in the Oval Office. Maybe Donald Trump shouldn't have tweeted out uh, a classified image that we had of of an Iranian uh, rocket site, maybe Donald Trump should have left his his uh, you know boxes and boxes of stuff, including stuff on Israel and Iran and his crapper for anybody to go and get a hold of i I have to believe with with his big mouth and the way he stored secrets, sold them done, done God knows i don 't know that for a fact, but would you put it past him well and um, if, if I know, can who uh... knows?
0: If I can jump in there, and just one of the things that Peterwell pointed out is that clearly Iranians helped Hamas here, but it's a one person says It's like the Iranians didn't have the the technical capabilities to to understand how to neutralize the Iron Dome. That came from probably the Russians who are close allies of the yep. Iranians. Well, where did the Russians get it? Well, and 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 that's and that's pretty much, you know, that's what you're looking at. A lot of people are thinking that there's a, there's a high likelihood that the Russians might have gotten this from someone who, I don't know, was trying to be best buddies with Vladimir Putin.
1: Well, we know of one, you know, look, we know how he stored classified secrets. He's been indicted for it, yes. right? We know that recently he's telling some Australian billionaire about the capabilities of our nuclear submarines, how close they could get to Russian submarines without, without the Russians knowing? We know that even when he was first elected, he was holding up, you know, in these parties in Mar-a-Lago, you know, all sorts of sensitive documents to try to impress his dinner guests. And, you know, worst of all, of course, we know for a fact that an Israeli op inside of ISIS ended up being completely undermined by him to the point where he, sh- he shared enough with Lavrov and Sislyak, and they were worried enough the Israelis were, that they pulled their guy who was deeply embedded in ISIS out. So if we know he did it that time, and we know all the other ways he handled classified info, and we know he's a complete loser scumbag who sold anything for anything, you know, anything for, that he can in his life, right? He's hawked anything like some, some low-grade huckster. Does anybody think he wouldn't sell this stuff? This was always the worry when he was president, is that these secrets have value. And I'm sorry, I don't know. Again, I don't know. What I do know is there's a whole lot of smoke there if there isn't fire. And, uh, I mean, just amazing to see every one of these right-wing chuckleheads, the same ones who, of course, attacked our Capitol and tried to pull, pull off murdering Pence and Pelosi and all, you know, all the, you know, are the ones screaming and yelling about how somehow it's Biden's fault. Because apparently it's really difficult for these stupid people to understand that when you put $6 billion in a, in a uh, Qatari bank, uh, for humani- humanitarian needs like food, and and you actually monitor it, and you know that none of it's been spent yet, it can't be spent on terrorists.
0: Exactly, and and they're it's trying to difficult. make it, and they're trying to make this argument. Well, that money frees up other money. It's like, okay, then you don't understand what this money was for because there was no money for this in in the past. I mean, this is was designated for humanitarian aid, and they it it's it's the you know that it's so it, it's completely yeah. red flag.
1: What is it free up Iran? Is, the whole reason the money was there for humanitarian aid is because Iran isn't giving their own people humanitarian exactly. aid. Exactly. Do we think Iran is suddenly like, oh, well, now they're giving us $6 billion to feed and take care of all the people we obviously care about and we're going to take care of? Now we can use that money on Hamas. And it's the stupidest argument in the world. It's well, a brutal dictatorship. Obviously, who doesn't take care of its own people and doesn't care if they starve? It doesn't care if they have health care? No, six billion was being was being put somewhere. So they're like, oh, now we can use the money differently. That's just stupid. But the right wing is stupid. As the right wing is stupid, you know, in in with Hamas. As the right wing is stupid with Putin. As the right wing is stupid with Erdogan and Aliyev and this whole you know rogues gallery of dictators and murderers who are all pals.
0: Well, and it it should be noticed, did you see the video from this weekend of apparently the, the, the Iranian government tried to unfurl a Palestinian flag at an Iranian soccer match? and the fans didn't want anything to do with it. And I thought this is a really interesting point because they clearly, there's a lot of people in Iran who don't want anything to do with Palestine or Hamas, that a lot of this is coming from the Iranian government, but to see such an uh, openly hostile take to the Iranian stance towards the Palestinians, you know, it, there's nothing, nothing is ever black and white, cut and dry. It's just not. And I think we have to understand that this is this is, there are, there are people that are working in all these countries to basically attack Israel, basically trying to undermine, as you said, trying to turn back the time to a pre-World War II mentality. But, I, I, you know, it is, it's is—it's like I said, it's, it's kind of one of those things where this is just a very complicated thing. And, you know, it's this idea of we'll just go bomb Iran. He's like, what are you guys talking about at this point?
1: Right. Listen, I promise you my sympathy for Gaza and civilians which is the same as it is for any other, for other civilians around the world who are attacked and murdered is 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 far far deeper than that in Iran, where the people and again not I'm not talking about regular people in Iran because again as you said that soccer game that was great they've made it clear they don't they don't want these brutal dictators speaking for them they don't want that and so God let's not hurt let's not murder innocent Iranians any more than innocent anybody else. But when they try to hide behind this and pretend the Palestinian cause is theirs, none of these guys care. None of these guys have put—they've got all oil money. They've never put any of it into taking care of the Palestinians. They've never done a damn thing. It is a simple demagogic issue that they use so that they can go and attack Israel. That is what it is about. Or attack America or attack the West in general. They couldn't give two dams about the Palestinians. So, you know, that's the thing. Don't make that mistake. Okay. Netanyahu is a horrible person. The people around him are horrible people. They're war criminals themselves. And when they attack civilians, I speak out against them. What Hamas did was atrocious, was evil. And and the government of Iran supported it. And they're the ones who should pay the damn price for it, not the people of Iran
0: the, you talked about stupid, let's talk about the House GOP, because you know, I mean, as we can talk about the, the collapse of the McCarthy speakership last week, the fact that they, they don't have, they're rudderless. rudderless sh- I mean, once again, I have no problem with the U.S. military holding up military aid, because I mean once again, I have no problem with the U.S. military going in there and helping out Israel, is try, trying to beat back Hamas at this point, after considering thousand over a thousand people are dead at this point, yeah, you know I, I, the case, but we clearly because of Republicans, we are in a weakened position, they cannot pass any kind of aid or help to Israel right now. The, top, the military has been compromised by Tuberville and his his social uh, issues crusade, crusade. Let's talk a little bit about this because this has really kind of screwed things up. We we can't function nearly as well as we usually do because of rep- Republican ineptitude.
1: Yeah, and every other one of them should be held responsible because they can put a stop to this. So when Ted Cruz is running for reelection in Texas and Rick Scott in Florida, just to think of two places where there are large Jewish populations, you know, they should, people should be reminded every day that, that Tommy Tuber, Tuberville enabled the mur- mass murder of Jews. Because in the end, he's made it so that we can't do anything. Our, our military can't operate as they need to right now. He, he's still blocking this thing, and one wonders at any point whether he's blocking it out of the fact that he's the stupidest man alive or just for the fact that maybe he's compromised because so many so many uh, uh, of the Republicans are, then Rand Paul, in, in almost side-by-side tag-team, won't let us put diplomats in key positions, has been blocking that. We have no ambassador to Israel because of Rand Paul, and, and Rand Paul's a guy that John McCain, the late John McCain, once called the senator from the Kremlin on the floor an errand boy who ran a message from Trump to the Russians, among um, uh, so many other connections to the Russians. I mean, if he's not compromised, seriously... I would bet anything that I own on the fact that he's compromised. Mm. I mean, his, his, his what was it? His, his ne- nephew-in-law, the one Jesse Benton was the one who was put in prison, who was his former campaign manager and chief of staff, married Ron Paul's granddaughter, who, you know, was the one who was, who was funneling Russian money to Donald Trump in 2016 and and went to prison for what 11 or 12 years because of it. I mean. And he's blocking our, our, diplo- our diplomats, so we don't have the military in place, we don't have the diplomats in place, and we don't have a functioning house. The only person who could get briefings on what's going on, uh, classified briefings, was Hakeem Jeffries, because there's no Republican leader who's on the, on the level where they can. So I'd, I'd say that if there's any sane Republicans left, either vote for Hakeem Jeffries for speaker, or get together with us and have one of your few, I know there's very few of them, semi-sane people become speakers so we can actually function as a
0: country and a democracy well and you bring that up i mean the two leaders right now for the new speakership are two far-right people you got jim jordan who is by far an extreme far-right i mean he the only reason he's not part of that MAGA crowd is he realizes he has aspirations to try to be the speaker or in leadership and he can't have that you know necessarily and then you have steve scalise who basically himself is or is also an extreme far-right candidate uh, you know, and which, once again, either one of these guys is going to stymie up the works and prevent things from getting done. You, you know, Jim Jordan seems to be the choice of, of, of Trump, as well as multiple other people. You, of course, have extensive knowledge of Jim Jordan from Ohio. He is truly a horrible, horrible human being.
1: I, I mean, honestly, when you rate sort of the, the, any rating of the most despicable, useless piles of human flesh would include Jim Jordan. He's a useless if he were to disappear from and I'm not advocating violence to be clear. But he he's left nothing but carnage in his wake. He is an idiot. He ignored sexual assault In the cases of the thousands, while he's at Ohio State, this isn't me talking, by the way. This is a referee, a former coach who worked alongside him, and at least half a dozen wrestlers who claimed he absolutely knew what was going on. He's human scum, and he was involved in, in, in planning and supporting the insurrection on January 6th, for which he hasn't been held to account, among many other things. And then you get Steve Scalise, the guy who 20 years ago was going to white nationalist conferences referring to himself as, quote, David Duke without the baggage, unquote who, you know, he, he, that, that in the Republican Party is what serves as the more moderate choice, who also supported the insurrection. is also. I mean, these two characters, neither of them are fit, honestly, to be in government. They're not fit to clean toilets. All right? They're certainly not fit to be people that, that, that run the House. So, please, I mean, if any of these Republicans, any of them, are genuine, who claim to be more center-right than non-MAGA group of them, the 20 to 30 of them, then they'll show it. And they'll show they care more about this country than they than they do about selfish aspirations and, and their stupid cult of a party. And they'll get together with Democrats and, they'll, and even if it's one of them, they'll elect somebody that chooses to actually govern.
0: Tuberville, uh, this is actually now a big problem because now the military's weakness has been exposed because we don't have our leadership positions filled. This is Tommy Tuberville because, once again, he doesn't want to have uh, the military people to have the rights to be able to choose whether or not they have an abortion. He wants it to be illegal uh, in all military bases, and until that happens, he's not going to do anything here. I- I'm at the point where we start thinking about pulling all the military bases out of Alabama, which will cost them you know, th- probably a million jobs. Uh, but at the same time, i say we pull all the military bases out of Alabama. I mean, if he's not going to be on the side of the military, well, then the military shouldn't be on the side of his state. And, and I have a feeling that would wake him up to the reality that maybe he shouldn't be picking this fight.
1: Well, I mean, again, and this is the only area where I'd say, you know, Democrats have gotten better and better, but we still fail when it comes to these people that do things that are just unimaginable. You know what I mean? We still don't seem to be able to grasp when they behave like that, that the only thing people like that understand is is a a metaphorical punch in the face, because that's the only thing bullies ever understand. And I saw where Biden in the past, it maybe was because of that, chose to not put new military bases in Alabama, he chose somewhere else instead, I don't remember, and that just set Tuberville off. So you're right. Want to set him off more? Pull the ones there that are out. I mean, there are levers we can pull. If we really want, I mean, again, these this is extreme type reactions, but we're in an extreme situation here. He is massively harming our national security. He's putting our allies' lives at risk, probably getting people killed, literally. I mean, again, if, if the Republicans won't, won't you know stand up and have the slightest ounce of courage and deal with them themselves, then we should deal with them every way we can.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. If all. That means
1: we have to pull bases. Pull bases out. If there's other levers of power. Use those against them. Whatever the hell you can do, do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like more on this, and obviously, I'm presuming you're going to have a lot of content coming out this week on the YouTube channel, correct?
1: Absolutely. We have oh. a video that probably you know, not, no, nope, probably in a half hour comes out. That's going to uh, an interview with a reporter who lives in Israel is on the ground, and we talk about some of these things from the evil of Hamas to the evil of MAGA Republicanism and more. So. Um, and many more like that will be coming.
0: All right. It's the Blue Amp Channel with Cliff Schecter, at C. Schechter. at C. Schechter. I'll link to all this a little bit later on. Subscribe there. He's got 20. Let's get him up to 30,000 subscribers. That's He's at 28.7 right now. I mean, we, do you- What's that? We're getting close. Yeah. Come on. Join us. <laughs> you should. You'll be smarter for doing this. It is it is good stuff from Cliff and the crew. So Blue Amp channel with Cliff Schecter at C Schechter on YouTube. I'll link to that all later on. Uh Cliff, uh obviously we'll stay in touch and hopefully hopefully things get calmed down and we can just go talk baseball before too much longer as well, okay?
1: Uh God, I hope so. That would be great for the world. It would so, be. It would be. Um well, Thank you so much for having me on, buddy. I appreciate
0: it always. Always. You make my show better. Cliff Schechter, everybody. Let's take a break. Come on back. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Take a break. Come on back. A lot to get to today. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice from Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. I want to touch a little bit here on this attack uh by Hamas on Israel because uh, y- yes, you can very easily say that the Gaza Strip, the people in the Gaza Strip have uh, been held as a by, by you know as as almost a prison colony for a while here. And and, and that's not right. And I, I mean we can, we can talk about that, but if you think for one second that justifies in any capacity what the Hamas did to Israel, you are a fool. You are an absolute fool. I, I keep hearing. Them. They attacked a music festival. So they, they, and like I said, it's, it's almost like they had inside information. They knew exactly where to break in and how to get into Israel, they knew exactly where to go. They to cause the most amount of damage. They they attacked of all of their many of their targets. They attacked a music festival that was going on. They killed two hundred and sixty people. Now we here in the United States had what was it sixty people killed in Las Vegas when a psychopath opened up fire on a country, country music concert on the Las Vegas Strip from a hotel and. Sure, we had a few Republicans scream about, oh, the guns
2: are innocent.
0: But the reality is no one sat there and said, well, maybe we should understand what this guy's point of view was. No one did that. And that was 60. That wasn't 260. And that was just one of the attacks here. So there is no justifiable argument that warrants civilians being slaughtered at a music festival as a viable target by any organization that's just stupid 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 stop it just stop it what they're doing to israel is uncalled for and this is disgusting and by the way some of those people from the music festival have been dragged back into israel uh the 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 one woman who's a was his child from the united states said they they don't know anything about their daughter all they know is that her credit cards they someone tried to use them twice in the in in hamas in the gaza strip It is this is this is horrible. this is horrible. And yeah, there is there's a lot of questions that we have to ask about how they were able to to strike like this because for many years, some idiot would launch a rocket at Israel and get shot down and be the end of it. This is something very different. This was methodical and planned, and it does seem like indeed there was some inside information. Dean Phillips, um, the representative in the Minnesota 3rd, has put out this tweet so far, and I'm going to just read this directly. If this reporting that Iran helped supplant, support, initiate the attack on Israel's confirmed principal nations of the world must unite and neutralize the most repugnant, of repressive, destabilizing regime in the world, evil cannot be appeased any longer. Uh, and it, it quotes a Wall Street Journal article. Uh, story which by the way if you're a democrat and you're quoting wall street journal stories i got some questions about that but needless to say Dean i think once again this is horrible we you know do what we need to do to support israel we've moved one of the mili- uh, one of our uh, our uh, naval groups in to help you get them the weapons they need you know um you know, it's it's kind kind of the same exact mentality I have towards Ukraine. These are our allies. We help our allies out when they've been ta- un- attacked unjustifiably by an evil regime. Yeah, that's how it goes. So, and by the way, for all you Republicans that are screaming about Israel, but you say we don't need to do anything in Ukraine, kind of the same thing. I mean, obviously, different circumstances, but both countries who are allies of ours who are being attacked unprovoked by, well, you, you, know, you know, once again, that's going to get, you know, it, I understand, once again, people are upset how the Palestinians are treated. This doesn't justify what Hamas has done the last few days in any capacity. That being said, you stand by your allies, you help out Israel what you can. Now, that being said, that's that's not attacking Iran. I've talked about this before. I'm going to talk about this again. And, and although the representative has phrased this vaguely enough to where he can says, well, I never talked about a ground war in Iran. The reality is he's clearly calling for some sort of regime change in Iran facilitated by the United States of America, which uh, uh, that generally doesn't go too well. And you're calling for this not because the United States was attacked, but Israel was attacked. That would be in the same sense of because North Korea has funded Russia and given Russian weapons, which have been used during Ukraine, that we need to go into North Korea and overturn their government. Kind of the same argument. It doesn't... Yeah. So let's talk about Iran for a second. You want to send in the troops into Iran, I see. First of all, this is not some small country. This is a very large country with a very well-established military. As a matter of fact, their military knows kind of what they're doing. They have an established air force. They have an established navy. And the navy actually is a you know, fairly good navy too. Uh, so it ain't going to be a cakewalk. This isn't a few missiles. And, you know, they say, uncle, and we're done. And the end of the day, you're not going to be able to missile your way or bomb your way to controlling Iran. You're going to have to send in ground troops, which means boots on the ground. So you're looking at... Probably drafting a million people, a million kids, which I've always said as a person who's a veteran in the military, sacrifice begins at home, Dean. Have your kids enlist, not as officers to stay back with the quartermaster at the the headquarters, but infantry to go in on the ground. You, You know, show me that sacrifice begins at home before you expect other people to go sacrifice for the cause. That's what I have to say. That being said, you're going to be looking at an extended ground war, probably multiple years, billions and billions of dollars. Then if we do overturn the Iranian government, what do we do then? Are we an occupying force? How long are we there? Trillions and trillions of dollars, probably millions of military personnel involved, quite a few of them dead and injured. That is, you know, once again, what you're suggesting here. It also kind of ignores the point that, Sure, the Iranians might have gotten weapons to them, but still, once again, the infiltration of Israel here is not something so simple as it doesn't just seem like Hamas figured out, got lucky, and knocked down this wall and just happened to be there. They seem to have inside information. The Iranians didn't have that. Now, once again, Russia is close allies with Iran. Russia probably did have that information. Now, where did they get that information? Who knows? There are some meetings that happened at certain places and some places with guys who are basically sucking up to try to be Vladimir Putin's best friend who have shown that they can't be trusted with classified documents. Uh, they stuff like that. But, I mean, we don't know for sure. But my guess is it came from Russia. Where it got to Russia, I don't know. So if you're looking to start attacking people that aided and embedded in this thing, well, then I'm going to guess your argument needs to be that we go we need to go into Russia too, which, okay. I get it. You're angry. I'm angry. This is disgusting. And, you know, I'm not going to have any problem with what Israel has to do to take care of business here. And, you know, God be with all the people that have been kidnapped and been killed, you know, just going about their day. And reminded, this is Hamas. This is not the Palestinians. This is Hamas, the military terrorist organization that runs the Gaza Strip, who've been in power there since 2007. And my guess is going to be is that they, they, it tells you everything about those people that they are willing to get everyone else in the Gaza Strip killed, everyone else killed, they'll run away and act like they basically, you know, did something good. Because that's exactly what I think you're going to be looking at here. You can't just say we're going to go to war. We should go to war with a major country without understanding what you're asking for. And the fact that you know Dean Phillips is pushing, you know, kind of this you know war mo- this this warmonger plan, this idea to just we need to attack Iran without understanding Iran and understanding what that would curtail. And I, like I said, he, he, he phrased this just vague enough to where he goes, well, I never said that. I, I want to have a, you know, a worldwide coalition Who, who's going to go in with us. And by the way, you attack Iran, you're immediately probably going to have at least five other Middle Eastern countries jump in on Iran's side and it becomes much more of a free for all. And if you've not looked at the Persian Gulf, you're probably going to be surrounded by multiple, bo- multiple bad guys on all sides. Heck I wouldn't be surprised if Iraq came in on their side. <laughs> Does't seem unlikely, but it's it's interesting how some stuff like that sometimes happens Now this is you help out Israel, you help them out whatever you can, get them humanitarian aid, get them the the military aid they need they didn't they didn't deserve any of this. What's happening to these people in Israel did not deserve to happen there and Hamas should be condemned to the nth degree for what they have done here and we should definitively find out how the hell Hamas got past the iron dome that needs to be discovered because you know the old the old saying goes loose lips sink ships well if someone's blabbing about you know secrets within with, with that about the israelis and, and frankly, our secrets, too, to countries who are not our friends, well, that needs to be addressed. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um, It is, by the way, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. No, it's—I'm not going to talk—I'm going to talk about Christopher Columbus, but it's not Christopher Columbus. And, uh, no, it's Indigenous Peoples Day. They were here a lot longer than than— the 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 guy, <laughs> how? <laughs> I saw this tweet earlier today, and I thought this was pretty funny. Um, I'll tell you what. I'll will get to that in a second. I want to. I'll let Mike in Columbia Heights have a have a, a chime in on Iran. Mike, thanks for holding. Welcome into the show.
3: Hi, man. Long time no talk. You too. All
0: right. Nice. yeah hey, uh,
3: we got you. Got to beware of half truth For example,
0: uh,
3: the U.S. returned what six hundred billion dollars or six billion dollars to. Iran, that's the truth. The, the lie, of it, the other half of the half truth, is that they're saying that they used it to uh, support Hamas in terrorizing Israel. Now, my half truth is uh, Donald Trump uh, had a classified information, and what a coincidence! Israel was invaded, and their and their and they had no information. Their intelligence was was. Uh, I can't believe it was faulty. I think he was—they were betrayed.
0: Well, and, and 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 Mike, let me let me step in here on on this really quick. On two things here. One, one thing you kind of alluded to, but you didn't quite—you know—kind of get, finish out there. Republicans keep streaming out this six billion dollars that went back to Iran. It didn't go to Iran. It's in a bank outside of Iran to be used by three specific humanitarian organizations to get food and medicine to the Iranians. That's all that money has gone for. And no, if as Republicans have tried to make the comeback, well, if you opened up that money. Well, no, there was no money. The Iranians don't have money for food and medicine for their people. So this money is new money, and it's not gone into the market. So no, that's, that's a false notion. This would be on... This is not one piece of paper that someone found on a desk and said, oh, my gosh, I need to go tell Hamas all about this. No, no, no. You had to... I think the thing that scares me most of all about this whole thing with Hamas is that both the Israeli and the US intelligence services had no idea. I mean the Americans knew something was in the works back in spring but they couldn't quite pinpoint it what it was, which means someone gave them I think the tip off on how to avoid detection by the US and Israeli intelligence. And we've had we've had Jack Rice on who's our clandestine expert uh, clandestine agency expert, and he has talked about when you basically get a secret that's exposed, it's not just the secret that's exposed. Say it's a document that came from an Iranian nuclear facility. Well, immediately the Iranians go back and look and say, like, well, how did they get this document? And all of a sudden that leaked document that the Iranians know has been leaked to the other side all of a sudden tracks down the intelligence network that has been put in place, that was put on to spy on them, and all of them are gone. And I got to tell you the truth. I am scared to death that in the last few months, large portions of the American and Israeli intelligence community in this area have either been neutralized or avoided somehow. And the only way you could do that is if they had extensive knowledge of the operations of the intelligence community of the United States and Israel. And that scares me to death because that's that's more than one sheet of paper. That is an insane amount of documents and information getting out there. And once again, this is when you go back, Iran didn't know this. So who did? The Russians probably. So how did the Russians get it? When you put you know, A to B, you, you kind of see the whole thing. 952-946-6205. Thank you for the phone call. I appreciate that. Uh, Christopher Columbus was an absolute horrible human being. Let's just remember that. Uh, and it is my time to remind you of the Vox story from 2015, which I keep bringing up every time we have this. It's Indigenous Peoples Day. and. As some, you know, uptight white people will like to say, like, I still celebrate Columbus. And some person said this, and I thought this was a hoot. He said, how do you do that? Rome lost in your grocery store looking for spices? I thought, "Ah, I love you for that. That was brilliant. I can't say this enough. Christopher Columbus was such a horrible human being. That even for his time, the late 1400s and early 1500s, he was considered to be insanely evil. I want to repeat that. Because you're. this is the time of like the Spanish Inquisition was going on. He was considered to be so horrible that even at his time, he was considered a monster. Um, there's nine things that he did. Uh, he kidnapped uh, Carib women and gave them to his crew to rape. Once again, and reminder: I want you to remember all this every time a Republican says we need to put back up his statue. No, 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 no. Um, they cut off Native American ears to shock others into submission. Uh, they they kidnapped, and enslaved over a thousand people in Hispaniola. The the, the, the 50,000 uh, natives committed mass suicide then comply with the Spanish 56 years after Columbus's first voyage I want to make sure you understand this, this is you want to know how bad this was 56 years after Columbus first voyage 1492 only 500 of the 300,000 natives to Hispaniola were still alive after 56 years. That's how much damage he did. That's how much, you know, he put into, uh, uh just horrible. Um, the, the slaves were beheaded when their captors couldn't be bothered to untie them. But the one that should put a... Put, the one that should end this whole discussion. Under Columbus's watch, nine and 10-year-old girls were kidnapped from their native tribes and sold into sex slavery. I want to repeat that. Under Columbus's rule, nine and 10-year-old girls were kidnapped from their native families And sold into sex slavery for his crew and buddies. Nine and 10 year olds. Nine and 10 year olds. He was a horrible human being. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. They're brilliant. We need to preserve their culture. We need to give them their voice. We need to understand they know more about this country and this land than we'll ever know. And it's the least we can do for as badly as the Native tribes were treated by the whites that came from Europe. It's the least we can do. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day out there, and I salute all the Native communities out there. And hopefully we, we, we begin a new renaissance for the Native American people after hundreds of years of horror and genocide 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 take a break come on back uh something i need to pick up and talk a little bit about in regards to um yeah i what's going on in minneapolis i'll get to that in a second it's the matt mcneil show right here on am 950 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Uh, between seeing the Dean Phillips tweet, there's another tweet that came across. This is a Jill Davis from MPLS. Uh, Jay Davis at MPLS on Twitter. Uh, if you're a DFL-endorsed candidate, you don't co-host a fundraiser for a non-DFL-endorsed candidate. Soren Stevenson is the Ward 8 DFL-endorsed candidate, not Councilmember Jenkins. Uh, Palmasano, Rainville, uh, Vita and uh, uh, Koski are wrong to co-host event, they know better. This is basically a uh, a quote tweet from Wedge Live. Council President Andrew Jenkins uh, and uh, Vice President uh, Linia Polisano are teaming up for a fundraiser hosted by Mayor Fry and the City Council colleagues. Uh, and it's going on. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Now, I posted... Personally, I said, I've not weighed in the Minneapolis Council race because I don't live in Hop- there in Hopkins. Jill does have a very vi- viable point. How are you allowing this to happen, Minnesota DFL? This completely undermines the endorsement process. If this is okay, why do we have endorsements at all? To which then someone sent me, and I don't know if this is le- <laughs> legit, um, there is a fundraiser on the St. Paul Council Ward member by, hosted by Attorney General Keith Ellison and Ken Martin. Um, for Annika, uh, yeah, all in uh, for Anka, uh, Anka Bowie's uh, St Paul Council Ward One fund- fundraiser, I, I don't know that much about that race. I don't know if 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 she is the if Bowie is the endorsed candidate or not, but I need to we need to have a little talk here, okay? All right, you have an endorsement process. If you are the DFL, then that should have some weight. Now, I understand. I get it. I, this goes back to, remember when uh, Red McCones of the Vikings and the had Coach Mike Tice and uh, other people from the Vikings down at a George W. Bush rally? And I said, you know, it'd be one thing if Mike Tice was down there as just regular citizen Mike Tice, but I said, could he even do that because he's so recognizable as the Vikings head coach that I just don't think it, it's a viable option that you could do that which means this is that you can't you know you can't separate yourself from one and the other and if you are a you know if, if if the endorsement process means anything it should mean that that's the DFL candidate and other DFLers shouldn't be out there going into a different district and trying to undermine the will of the DFL voters in that district Now, I'm not saying that if someone can't challenge someone in a primary or in a general election, that is up to them. But this is about whether or not you go to bat for the non-endorsed candidate. And you guys cannot separate yourselves from the DFL. So it's really stupid to have DFL members going out there and openly working against the DFL-endorsed candidate. And trust me, I could sit for hours and talk about the flawed nature of endorsements it is a handful of the most loyal supporters of the party picking it, but you still have it. Regardless of whether or not you like it or not, that still is the process. And if that still is the process, shouldn't you respect the process? I guess not. You know, I get it. You you have favorites. But the reality is, is that when the DFL candidate who's endorsed does win, you've already burned bridges with that person so, you know, good job. Way to, way to shoot yourselves in the foot. Hour two is up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Monday. Good to be with you. Michael Broadcorp, our Vikings expert, who I'm going to guess is not feeling too well. Uh, he will join us coming up here in a little bit. Uh, we'll talk with him about uh, the, the loss yesterday at Kansas City, the one in four Vikings, and and actually I'm going to talk to him a little bit about this pack story and I'm going to get to that and into that here in just a little bit uh, that's coming up here in about a half an hour the uh, Patrick the, uh, the the news on the top of the hour there it said Robert F Kennedy Jr. is going to to run as an independent, which okay Jan um I don't know any Democrats period who are planning on voting for him. I don't know any of them. I don't know. I think the reason why he's running as an independent is because he's just not resonating here. As a matter of fact, wouldn't you agree that he seems to have more appeal within the Republican side or a more conservative side as opposed to the Democratic side?
2: That's absolutely what I've been hearing. And that's kind of some of the analysis that I've been reading. And, you know, and I, I just telling you at the top of the hour break, that I think a lot of this discussion is just. You know, thing, people looking for things to talk about that really have no basis. In Where reality. you're out from
0: the election just, you know, trying to
2: make something try, slow news day. Yeah, so you know, like, oh, well, we think RFK, is, RFK Jr. would be much more likely to pull voters away from Trump than Biden. And I just go that doesn't make any sense because my analogy was if I'm a bud drinker and bud is available I'm not going to drink bud light.
0: Well, and and I think that, you know, this guy hasn't said anything democrat <laughs> at all. I mean, <clears throat> close. I mean, he's he's a he's an anti-vaxer, he's he's a loonball far righto. And there it's 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 kind of like one of those mentalities where they say, well, he's got a great name. It's like, well, maybe 25, 30 years ago, Kennedy really was a you know, kind of a an easy layup for a for a, a politician. But it's been a long time since the Kennedy name really, I think, brought the voters out to the polls. And you need to be a little bit like JFK if you're going to resonate with the, with Democrats. No, I, I, my gut feeling is, is that he is a non-factor. And as a matter of fact, I will be surprised if he actually is still in the race come next summer, because I think there's going to be when, when people realize he's actually peeling away more Republican votes than democratic votes, there's going to be tremendous pressure on the media outlets that have propped up him to basically get off his side. And I think they will. So uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see what goes there. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205 is the uh, phone number. So uh, two stories I want to get to today because I am, as you can imagine, after I was hit by a drunk driver— Back on December 8th of this last year, and I'm still recovering from a broken back, I have very little tolerance for drinking and driving. Very little tolerance. And especially in this day and age, come on, Uber, Lyft, cabs, public transit, get a friend to give you a ride, sleep at your friend's house, I don't care. There are so many different options you could have to not drink and drive. It is belligerence beyond belligerence. Now, I saw this story came across, I think it was Friday night. This story came across. I was a little surprised this morning. The initial report, still two days afterwards, was a very generic story, generic story from Greta Call on this on the Star Tribune's website. They finally did flush this out a little bit more. And I don't know it, what what why it took them so long to do so, but needless to say, it was, it, it, it kind of is one of those things where it is a little bit of a surprise here. A prominent Edina personal injury attorney was drunk when he struck a highway construction worker with his car on East Central Minnesota, then left the scene before being located roughly 35 miles away, according to charges filed on Monday. James Carey, was charged in Pine County District Court with two gross misdemeanor counts of criminal vehicular operation, another gross misdemeanor alleging that he left the scene of a crash involving injury and misdemeanor driving while under the influence of alcohol connection with him hitting the worker late Friday on the right shoulder of Interstate 35 near Hinkley. Kerry, 64, was arrested by law enforcement that afternoon and remains jailed ahead of a court appearance later today. A worker, 27-year-old Joseph Flanagan of Duluth, was hospitalized at nearby Sandstone. The state patrol said the criminal complaints that he suffered severe bruising and swelling in an arm that was hit by the SUV. Carey is president and the managing partner of Seabin Carey, the know-your-rights law firm that counts tens of thousands of clients over its 71-year history. Stephen Carey released a statement over the weekend that said, We are deeply saddened to hear of this incident. Our thoughts and prayers are with the injured worker, and we wish him a speedy recovery. We're working our way through the facts as they become available. Our primary concern remains the well being of all involved. According to the firm's website, Carey focuses on cases involving traffic incidents, medical malpractice, nursing home negligence and abuse, and catastrophic personal injury, according to the charges. A trooper responding to the report of a crash located Flanagan down in a ditch he had on a high-visibility vest. He was walking in the dirt portion of the interstate when he was struck by Carrie's passing SUV. Tire tracks in the dirt indicated the trooper that the driver then got back on the road, continued north. A piece from the SUV left at the scene, was a match for the year make and model that Carrie was driving. A woman in a vehicle heading in the same direction said she saw the SUV ahead of her that was going on the shoulder to pass slower track, traffic in front. Wow. The charges said, she said the SUV passed one of two vehicles before hitting the worker. So he was passing people on the shoulder. Carleton County Sheriff's deputy spotted the SUV, its passenger side mirror missing on in on I-35 near Moose Lake. Carrie was stopped by law enforcement and smelled of alcohol. Kerry explained that he thought he hit an orange sign. He said he would have stopped immediately if he'd known he'd hit someone. He said he hadn't been sleeping for a few days because of a death in the family. He said he'd been taking sleeping pills and had three glasses of wine the previous day. A preliminary breath test measured his blood alcohol content at 1.143%, more than one and a half times the legal limit for driving in Minnesota. And once again, this was a half an hour later. From when the incident happened. So now I'm no lawyer, but I think it is actually, if this guy wants to go to court, it's going to be very difficult for him to prove that for the, for the state to prove or the County to prove that at the time that he hit the guy, he was drunk because they didn't breathalyze him until 35 miles later. And uh, God, I can't remember the TV show. They, they, they had, there was a TV show where the, the, one of the characters was, was drinking and driving and the police officer sent him home and basically, you know, you know, as opposed to arrested him. And he got into an accident and he ran into his house and he, his, his lawyer showed up and poured him a drink and said, start drinking. And he said, see, he's been drinking since I was here. I don't know how, when he was drunk before. And so it was known that the guy had probably was drunk beforehand. And like I said, this is a TV show. No, the guy was drunk beforehand, but they covered it up. The reality is, is that he could say at that point that, oh, I, I thought I hit somebody. I was scared. I decided to have a drink and Yeah. Needless to say, the implication here is that he was drunk and he was driving on the shoulder to pass people because you're going slower than I want to go. And if he, yeah, holy cow, holy cow. Regardless, I know someone who needs to be. In, it might need a law firm. Uh, that uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to make an observation here. Uh, I have zero tolerance for this. And apparently there's, someone told me, and I have yet to follow up on this, uh, that an, another DFL or, or politician was you know, apparently possibly under the influence. I have zero tolerance for it. Guys, what are you doing? I don't care who you are, Democrat, Republican. We live in a day and age with Uber, Lyft. You can get a friend to drive. You've got public transportation. Heck, you can walk. Or just not go. Stay at home. You want to drink? Drink at home. Then you're not getting into a new car. I just I have zero tolerance for it after my accident, and so I don't know what's going to happen here. Um, it is going to be interesting to see if they'll be able. I don't. I mean, obviously, you you know, if they can prove that he hit the the the, the construction worker, then obviously there's you know reckless vehicular operation. That's for sure but i mean would they get him for a drink i don't know if it's compounded with drinking and driving but considering they didn't breathalyze him till 35 miles afterwards i you know and you can't tell when he drank the alcohol i i don't know if that's going to be able to stick well they'll have to see on something like that 952-946-6205 952-946-6205 uh there's a story another story i want to get to here and it's it's you know it's going to be good we're having broadcore bomb because to, he gets quoted in this but this is I have to admit that I, I do enjoy Republican on Republican crime. Oh, I do, especially when it's when it seems like, it seems like it's people taking advantage of Republican, wealthy Republicans and basically jamming the money in their pocket. It, what appears like. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying what appears like. A conservative political action committee in Minnesota, founded by some of the state's richest residents, is accused of misleading its donors and misusing the money. Right now, Minnesota, a state PAC established in 2017 to purportedly help elect Republicans reported spending zero dollars on behalf of candidates last year. Let me repeat that. Zero. That's not much. <laughs> Slightly. The, the, the state GOP has slight bit more in their bank accounts. Uh, not much more, I think. Where they have been, $64, $65? Yeah, I get uh, six pack and a pound. Who doesn't love that? Don't, don't chew too fast. Zero dollars on behalf of candidates last year. Instead, the PAC claims to have spent almost all of its money it took on internet access and web hosting, according to its campaign finance reports. The PAC paid $319,000 of its roughly $346,000 on total spending of the year to an unknown and largely untraceable business called 1854 Inc., for the internet and web services. Such services are typically relatively inexpensive. A GOP State Senate candidate reported paying about $600 for internet access and web hosting last year, for the whole year. Minnesota DFL reportedly paying roughly $30 to $140 a month for web hosting. Once again, that was for a year or per month on the, the, the DFL side, but $600 for the year. This pack paid three hundred and nineteen thousand dollars for this. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, the smell test. Yeah, you're smelling something. Yeah, the review of right now Minnesota's campaign finance reports dating back to 2017 show that the pack has consistently paid most of its money to 1854 Inc. for vaguely described services. 1854 Inc. Has no website. This is, once again, once again, this is, I want to make sure we understand this. This is supposedly internet access and web hosting. That's what this company does. This, uh, this company that specializes in internet access and web hosting has no
2: website. Ow.
0: Or online presence at all. But they're experts in internet access and web hosting. In a business filing with the Minnesota Secretary of State's office, they list two post office boxes, one in Golden Valley, one in YZT. Uh, wealthy Minnesotans, such as Stanley Hubbard, the billionaire who founded Hubbard Broadcasting, Mark Davis, a former CEO of Davis Go Foods, and Tom Rosen, CEO of Rosen's Diversified, have all donated to Right Now, Minnesota. Hey, presuming you got great web hosting and internet services there. Wow, just best you can get. Right now, Minnesota's registration with the State Campaign fin- uh, Finance Board lists Elliot Olson of North Hudson, Wisconsin, as its chair and treasurer. Also, Olson is also the main contact for right now, Minnesota's federally connected super PAC, Right Now USA, which similarly paid a lot of money to 1854 Incorporated last year. Right now, USA spent about $123,000 last cycle with nearly half of it. Going to 1854 Inc. for professional services, technology consulting. Once again, a technology company that has no website or online presence. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Unlike the state PAC, the federal right now, USA... Did not spend some money on behalf of Minnesota candidates last year, paying 1854 Incorporated about $60,000 to place ads in support of Republican congressional candidates and a third-party legal marijuana now candidate who would have spoiled key races for Democrats. But that legal marijuana now candidate, Paula Overby, died weeks before the election. Right now, USA's ad urged people to vote for her anyway in loving memory. In an interview with Kara Levin at the time, the former Republican operative called the ad a new low for Minnesota politics. Once again, that was a Republican operative say, saying that was the case. So, once again, and by the way, you want to remind her the reason why we legalize dope in this country, in, in this state, is because the pro marijuana candidates were being used by Republicans openly to try to be third party spoiler candidates. And now they're gone. And I can tell you right now I've actually talked to two Republicans who have said it's one thing to give money to a republic uh, to a, a legalized marijuana candidate, they do not want to give money to the Green Party. They do not want to give money to the Green Party because the Green Party actually does have a platform they 100% disagree with. Most of the legalized marijuana candidates were just, you know, legalized dope. Now they're off the board there's really no one that they can go and make into a third-party candidate. I'm I'm presuming they'll try, but we'll have to see. Anyway, back to this story after the break, 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. And Michael Broadcorp, when we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. So to recap here, right now, Minnesota received about $350,000 locally to help Republican candidates, most of that money went to a web hosting internet service company who is supposedly so good at it that they don't even have a web page and no online presence. And by the way, the three hundred and was it three hundred nineteen thousand? I could be wrong on that. Three hundred nineteen thousand dollars they spent on that is for a year is only about when most people are spending like six hundred, seven hundred dollars on web hosting and an in internet service for a year. Is just a, a touch high, so and and it basically they they've you know the federal uh, right now USA PAC did send some money on behalf of Minnesota candidates, but the local PAC didn't spend any money at all apparently on any Republican candidates. Uh, the PAC is got listed Elliot Olson as its chair and treasurer, so that's that's where we're at. Reached by phone Thursday, Olson said, "I'm not going into our tactics." If I may, what tactics? (laughs) It doesn't seem like you have any tactics at all. At all. Outside of, hey, that's a lot of money. Uh, Olson described 1854 Inc. as a vendor that places ads for right now Minnesota and right now USA. Once again, an expert in internet and, and web hosting and all that good stuff that does not have any online presence but they're experts at placing ads as a vendor. When questioned about the PAC's payments to 1854 for internet access and web hosting, Olson said, right now Minnesota does more than just web hosting, but I don't want to tell you, he said, trying to use his PAC is to educate the voters. (laughs) This is Nathan Thurm, by the way. Right now, Minnesota and right now, USA operate largely in their own websites and Facebook pages, which recycle conservative news stories, political memes. Right now, Minnesota has been scrutinized in the past for spreading disinformation about COVID-19 and Democratic candidates. Facebook removed the majority of ads the PAC paid to post for violating the website's standards. Over the past five years, the state PAC has spent about $95,000 on Facebook ads. That's over the last five years most of which included political memes and a link to the Right Now Minnesota website rather than advocacy for any specific candidates according to the Facebook ad library report Google ad transparency center says Right Now Minnesota paid for two Google ads against DFL attorney Keith Ellison last year that urged Minnesotans to vote him out state campaign finance laws require ads that explicitly encourage the election to defeat a, or, or, or the election of or a defeat of a candidate to be disclosed but Right Now Minnesota did not report the Google ads also, Olson was ready for that one. I also do the books. If the books are sloppy, I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. Okay. Asked if, if he tells the PAC donors what he spends their money on. Olson said, no. We don't want the competition to know what we're doing. He said, are you ready? I love this. This is, this is here you go. This is Olson. We have a secret sauce. And we don't want to give it to them. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you sure seem to be doing a great job there. Um, how much money did you pay for web hosting and a website? All right, never mind. Davis identified businessman Ray, Richard Andlashek as an associate of Right Now Minnesota, who he said solicited his donation under the Pledge of Backing Conservative Candidates. Andloshek is CEO of the Minneapolis-based digital advertising company Brick Inc. Company. He is not listed on any of the state's PACs public campaign finance filings. But I think it's very interesting that he is he's got his own digital advertising company called Brick Inc. However, Andloshek, Andloshek and his son Albin, Albin Aldloshek, okay. Uh, are both included in an email chain about amending Right Now USA's federal campaign finance form. Alvin, Al- Alvin Andalischek just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? Alvin Andalischek also appears to be connected to 1854 Incorporated as he was listed as the contact for the business on a KSTP advertisement purchase order for Right Now USA in 2020. When contacted by the Star Tribune, Richard Andalashek said he was in a meeting and immediately hung up. He did not return follow-up Carl seeking comment. <laughs> Is this a secret sauce? Alvin Andalashek did not respond to requests for comment either. Uh, Olson said Richard Andalashek has no authority in the pack. Instead, saying he runs it himself. Some major donors to Right Now Minnesota told the Star Tribune they don't know how much uh, much about the group. Davis said he was introduced to Angela Sheck and Right Now Minnesota through his friend Tom Rosen. Rosen, who donated $150,000 to Right Now Minnesota last year, has not responded for requests to comment. You guys are easy. First of all, I want to say this to all you wealthy Republicans out there. You guys are easy to play, man. You guys are easy. It's like a fiddle. All you have to do is out there say, we're going to go stop those guys. We're going to go stop them. I need a check. And you guys scrawl out checks faster than you can. For guys that have a lot of money, you guys are sure sure foolish with it. That being said, because I can tell you right now, before I'd write a six-figure check to anyone, I know everything about that company. (laughs) My wife and I got a garage door. And and basically, I went back and I was looking at reviews. I looked at everything. That was that was like a little over $10,000. And so I knew everything about that company beforehand before I wrote a $10,000 check. You guys are basically just writing $150,000 checks and not even wondering if that check is going to a legitimate company. Good thinking. Okay, I, I don't know what's going on here. But I would sure love to see. I, 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 does Olson live in a really, really, really nice house out in North in in, in North Hudson, Wisconsin? What about the, what about the 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 people that 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 stopped by the post office boxes in uh, in um, it was it Golden Valley and in Wyzetta? Whose houses? What kind of houses are they living in? Because I can tell you right now. Because we're going to talk to Broadcorp here. We'll get to the Viking stuff first, and I'll get to this in a second. He brings up a very good point in this story, which is this was a close race. They were one seat away from winning the Senate. And a $350,000 ad buy could have helped greatly. But from everything you see here, none of this money really went to help anyone. Well, allegedly, it could have helped some people, but not politically. What kind of cars are you guys driving? I just, it's the a question. It's just a question. It's just a question. I'm just wondering what kind of cars you driving. Are they good cars? Are they fast cars? Do the, the chicky poos like the cars? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Oh, the call is coming from inside your own house. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the Matt McNeil Show. It is a Monday post-Vikings game. And that means Michael Broadcourt, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, is kind enough to join us to talk about the latest Vikings uh, result. Uh, yeah, I'd say that tongue-in-cheek uh, because Michael is here after the Vikings lost to the Kansas City Chiefs yesterday. Michael, should we start off with the Twins? <laughs> Let's start off with the Twins. Hey, how about the how about those Twins, man? That was a nice win against. I stayed up late last night watching that game.
3: It was it was a great it was a great game, fun to watch and there's a lot of confidence coming back to Minnesota. Um, it's nice to root against Houston. Yes. Based on their record over the last the last few years with in major league baseball and their mm-hmm. ruling fraction. But there's a lot to feel positive about this this Twins team right now. Um, feeling good, they're playing their best baseball I think that they've played in a long time and there's a lot of hope. And and I think they you know they accomplished the mission that they needed to do in Houston which was split the game was have to be split win one come home win a couple games and and they advance to another round of the playoffs.
0: And you know it's it's I'll tell you what right now I mean if I had my ch- I mean and once again we got to put horse uh, horse before the cart. We got to beat Houston two more games and then we can move on but if you do I got to tell you right now I'd rather take on the Texas Rangers than the Baltimore Orioles.
3: Oh you absolutely right. Absolutely right. And you know Texas you know that that would be the the path gets much better for the Vikings. I mean, Houston. Correct me if I'm wrong. Houston is the number one seed. Uh, no, it's number two seed. Yeah, right? they the two seed. Yeah, uh, in the in number two seed. So if if the Rangers do their job in bumping off Baltimore, um, you know we got a real opportunity there. Knocking off Texas and we could be in the World Series, which would just be delightful. Because yeah. we need that in Minnesota right now. We just need that.
0: Well, we need positivity. And that let's 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 rip off the band-aid. Vikings lose to Kansas City yesterday. This was a game that you and I said we weren't probably picked to win at the beginning of the season since they lost those two games to the the Chargers and to the Tampa Bay Bucks at home that this was a game that they had to start they got this game they got the San Francisco game they need to win one of those games they did not they are 1 and 4 and I'm going to go back and I think it was Mike Ditka who said he was on a show one time and they were talking about well this team is really you know and I don't know what team they were talking about I can't remember they're saying this team is is 1 and 4 but they're a really good team and Ditka said stop talking the record is who they are they're 1 and 4 and that's the reality. Is right now the the Vikings are in a really bad spot. They're one and four. They're being talked about as are they the worst team in the league right now? Now, thank God the Bears exist. But oh, this, come on. It, well, I saw that one too, and I'm like, come on, you can't compare the Chicago Bears to the Minnesota Vikings. But at the same time, one and four is well, not not a good not a good result, and. And I, I just, I look at this whole thing and I just like, I, I'm i wondering what they're going to be able to do. They've got to win these next three games, which are two road games against division rivals and San Francisco at U.S. Bank Stadium.
3: Correct. First of all, yes. I mean, regarding the the comparison to the Chicago Bears, we'll know one week from today where they where they stand in that fight because the Vikings head to uh, Soldier Field Uh, for next Sunday, so we'll be talking hopefully next Monday about a Vikings victory. They're in a very tough situation. They're 1-4, and um, and there just seems to be a lot of difference in this team from last year. Every break that they got last year, they're not getting this year, but there also seems to be a lot of more sloppy play. Uh, First-quarter fumble, as predicted, uh, very difficult to watch. Every aspect of this team... There seems to be there seems to be work that needs to be done, um, and you know we have not spent a lot of time getting into the the head coaches, but I think we can say that some of the play calling, uh, some of the challenged, uh, some of the uh, challenges, the coaches' challenges, and and contesting some rulings on the field, I think were misguided, um, and I think it costs the Vikings, and I think. What cost them near the end of the game was they, they had no timeouts left uh, they and they were just in a rushed scenario and I have not found this season to think that Kirk Cousins is someone who works well in a rushed environment. Mm-hmm. He needs to have, there needs to be more time on the clock. This is not a team that's shown that they can manage, uh, do clock management in an effective way, manage the clock effectively and a lot of bad decisions early in the second quarter and the second half ended up coming back to hurting the Vikings at a time when they they just needed more seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will add that uh, the, ref, the the, the refs, uh, and the and the some of the rulings on the field were frustrating, were difficult to watch. Uh, that is a part of every NFL game. <laughs> and so while, it is while well, a part of every Monday morning and every Sunday afternoon after Vikings loss is to complain about the officiating, I do think that there are a lot of things that we can get to as to why this Vikings team is struggling right now before we get to officiating.
0: Yep. Um, I'm going to say something positive here before people start really getting bad. If you looked at the first five games of the season, most of people predicted the Vikings would be three and two. We're two games worse than that. We're not four games worse than that. We're we're two games worse than that. We're one and four. You know, the, the Buccaneers and the Chargers games, I think most people pegged the Vikings to win those two. They did not. You got the Bears coming up. If they can somehow manage to figure out a way to knock off the 49ers and then win at Green Bay, they're going to be, you know, basically four and four at that point. And I think that if you went through that stretch and you said you're going to be four and four, it might not be a deal, but... I mean, if you look at this, there is there is a chance that they wouldn't be necessarily as far out of this as most of us would have thought they would have been at the beginning at this point in the season anyway. And I know that that's really putting on the rose colored glasses, but I do think that it is. You know, it should be noted, we're not you know zero and five when we were picked to be five and zero. We are probably going to be three and two. We're one and four. That is not a hurdle that you can't overcome.
3: It is not a hurdle. You are correct, sir. It is not a hurdle that we that cannot be overcome. But our analysis is focused on after the Tampa Bay game, the Vikings had to win a game that they that they lost. Their margin for error was gone. Yes. And after we you know we all had hoped that Kansas City would be the win that they would pick up, but as you look at the upcoming schedule, you know I don't think that there's any confidence that this Vikings team can win. I could see the Vikings going three and zero. In the next three games, I can see them going 0-3. Um, there's, that's just the reality of this team right now. And I think that in terms of the playoffs and where we're at, it's tough, to, it's tough for this Vikings team to pull together any belief. I think for the fan base and for myself, it's difficult to look at this season and say, this is a team that can pull together a playoff run. There's actually no evidence right now to mm-hmm. think that we can sit here and talk about all the one loss games and all the opportunities. Fundamentally it's just not a good team right now Yeah, and they could be better. They could be better, but there's a lot of things that need to happen. And again, I could, we, we could be sitting here, um, you know, three weeks from now saying they're on a three and zero run um, or they could have lost three games. There's an, I could see a number of scenarios where this team is 500 or they're one or they're one and seven, mm-hmm. and that's a tough scenario to be for this Vikings for this Vikings team. We haven't had a season like this uh, in, in in a few in a few years, and it's just difficult to be a Viking. It's just there's not a lot of hope right now for this Vikings team. And which is interesting because I saw a number of people who post game yesterday on social media were quite excited because they're liberated now because they, they've. They've divorced themselves from the belief that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs, and now they can, they, they're can—they not as emotionally invested in the games going forward. <laughs> um, but I hate to, I, I, just to go back to it one more time, one more subject, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about the, the Vikings, the players, over the last few weeks, but I do think yesterday was a game where I think that there were a number of coaching mistakes yes. and judgment calls that could have that that really came back to hurt this team. The frustration that I have with all of these games, and it goes to your point, sir, that you have about where this team is really at. These games have not been blowouts. they have they have, they have made there's a, been a, there's been somewhat of a rhythm to these games. The Vikings have found themselves down and they come back and they make it a one score game. They make them relatively close. Um, and the Vikings, but and that's what gives you the belief that they're just a couple tweaks away from pulling this together. And can, I just don't, I just for the first time this season can honestly say to you, I can, and it doesn't make me a very good sports analyst, which is that three weeks from now or, you know, four weeks, uh, three and a half weeks from now because it's a Monday game, um, Vikings could be, you know, one in one in six, one in seven, or they could be back to 500. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, this is the time that they have to shine right now. But I mean, there's every reason to think that the next, the next, uh, Three games are going to be a real roller coaster, and maybe more down, maybe more downs than up.
0: You know and we got to find out about the Justin Jefferson injury. Hopefully, that's not too bad. But they've already said, "Oh girl- yes,"
3: and we haven't even gotten to
0: that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, and, and-,
3: and, and is, is there a rush to get him back on playing right now? I mean, if, if you were the Vikings, would you be rushing with a hamstring injury? Try no. to get him back out there, I no. don't know if you would.
0: Well, you, the good news is you have the Bears next week, and you know you can put Add- you can plug Addison into huh. Jefferson's role, and I think you're not going to have nearly the problem, yeah. but at the same time you you've got you know I, I buy this 100 percent. If you're going to rest Jefferson a game, rest in the Bears game and then get him back for the 49ers because I don't think there's any way you beat the 49ers without Justin Jefferson on the field.
3: Correct. One question for you. Yep. is anyone on the hot seat with the coaching staff from your perspective?
0: Defense, uh, you know, I got, okay, and the, the question is, I saw this, and I thought this was an actually interesting point. I saw one of the guys post-game post yesterday making. He said, is is Cousins reluctant to go too fast because he's afraid the defense will just give up seven points in, in three plays? And I, it's not a bad thing. I mean, the, you know, Cousins is definitely making this his team. And if he feels like he, he can't trust the defense to stop them, then is that why he's he's trying to kind of his clock management is so bad on the offensive side because he just doesn't want the defense to get the ball, you know, have to go back out the field and stop the other team because that's a, the quick way to lose the game.
3: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Speak yeah, I I, I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't know the answer to that. Kevin O'Connell, I don't think he is in any any universe is he on the hot seat? No. Um, I, think there's, I think that he, there are a lot of expectations for him. There's always a lot of expectations for any NFL coach. But I, I think any talk of him being on the hot seat uh, is foolish, uh, is very foolish. Um, it's very foolish because, again, three weeks from now, we could be talking about a much different situation. But we have lost all opportunities. This is – we don't have any more wiggle room – we don't have any more opportunity for mistakes. The Vikings have to have a nearly perfect season, a near nearly perfect run of games here to be anywhere remotely credible in the playoffs. And that's just tough to be at. It's tough to be there for the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll be loyal. They're, they're, we're going to complain. We'll be loyal. Uh, but it's going to be tough to experience.
0: I agree with you. O'Connell's not – I mean, I can't see a reason that he wouldn't be the coach next year. They might purge off a good chunk of his support staff, but I think he'd be there, and I yes. think the front office is there too. But I, I, I do think that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's. I guess we'll end our Vikings coverage there because I think it is. It's you know, in in four in three games, we get to know what do we even care about the Vikings by the time we get to Thanksgiving. I mean, and it comes down to them. They just got to go take care of business, which means winning at Chicago, winning at Green Bay, and some, coming up with some kind of game plan that allows you to stand in there against the San Francisco 49ers at home and beat them. I got to imagine as a season ticket holder, it's got to be frustrating that they're 0-3 at home this year.
3: It's very frustrating. Um, my As I've mentioned before, my family said season tickets to, since 61. Um, it's frustrating it was also frustrating for members of my family that Taylor Swift was not there yesterday. Mm-hmm. That would have been, that would have put a bright, uh, that would have put a, uh, put a, put a brought some sun around on a pretty gloomy day if she would have showed up. But yes, it is tough. And that's, it's, I, I'll let me just say on that point about the hostility uh, of the crowd. One thing I have noticed this season, and there was some ups and downs last season that I, that, you know, I saw in some of the games this crowd there is a hostile crowd showing up on sundays at us bank stadium for this team right now you can just feel it in the air there is not a lot of patience in the crowd
0: mm-hmm. um let's turn towards politics because you were quoted in the story about this pack that doesn't seem to even really exist um, and and by the way, I should mention of course, make sure you're listening to his podcast, the breakdown of Broad Carbon Becky, which has got new episodes coming out on a fairly regular basis. But we, we I want to get back to this, this discussion about the, this pack because it 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 really is kind of interesting. Right now, Minnesota, they there's a real question of where of the three hundred nineteen thousand dollars went to web hosting and internet service. And, and nothing for candidates. You brought up the point. I mean, this was a one-seat race in the Senate last year. That money could have helped a Republican candidate. This just, I mean, it, it appears to be. I'm not saying it is. It appears to be just a grift right now.
3: I'm at a loss to figure out in 2023 how an organization spends, an organization that advertises itself as an IE group, raises roughly roughly close to $350,000 spends the bulk of that money on internet hosting and, and web access. Um, it's a really tough model. And money is different on the Republican side versus it is on the Democratic side. And, and Democrats are have a more well-funded, more robust political operation in the state. We've talked about it multiple times in your show, Matt. Uh, $350,000 of money being spent on I don't know what – I think that campaign finance, the campaign finance board uh, and others may need to look into that in some of this spending and some of this accounting needs to be cleared up either through the organization filing new paperwork or some, some enforcement matters. But you take $350,000 and you dump that into legislative races, you dump it into keeping the potential of the Minnesota Senate or the Minnesota House, that would, have, that would change the political landscape in Minnesota as to what is going on here right now. And there's just not enough money. In the Republican ecosystem in this state, for money to be wasted like it has been uh, behind this organization, and I hope that the donors who have given money to this group rethink giving money to this organization. That the that that if a donor is going to give money to this group, that there's some sense of transparency and accountability as to how that money is going to be spent. There's just it's just counterproductive in so many ways to the Republican effort in the state.
0: Well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, one of the things that's crazy, you're writing a six-figure check and you don't know everything about that company, and I get it, you got a lot of money, it becomes kind of a blur, but you're still writing a six-figure check. I know a little bit more about the company than, I don't know.
3: Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say to you, what was what was very interesting from, that, from the story, aside from the work that, that Ryan Faircloth did, and it was the comments from the donor, the mm-hmm. donor who had expressed concerns and reservations and and questions about what was being spent. If you're going to sit down with donors and talk about IE work and talk about independent expenditure work, that 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 type of relationship between a donor and an organization, that gives the impression to the to the donor is that you're doing work that that's going to be you're going to have a work product to show for it. IE work in this state is a, the bulk of what some of the political advertising that comes in the mail that we see on TV or that we see online at is independent expenditure work and there's not a lot of work product that that's, this group can show based on their filings to match the amount of money that they spent and just the sad reality again putting on taking off my viking's hat and putting on my partisan republican ad for a moment sure. is that there's just not enough money in the republican ecosystem to have things spent in this type of way. Republicans need, in order to compete with the Democrats, Republicans need to be more efficient, spend their money smarter, uh, cooperate where they can, coordinate legally where they can, and just be wise and good stewards of their donors' money. Mm -hmm. And based on the reporting that I've seen and the comments that I've heard, Uh, There's a lot of questions
0: about this organization. Well, that's not putting on a Republican hat. That's just a common sense hat. And that's that's an an, an incredibly spot-on view of what, you know, if you're in the Republican Party right now, this is stuff that cannot be happening considering where you're at with your money. Uh, Hopefully next week we get to talk about the twins continually and hopefully next week a win at Chicago. Michael, as always, thank you very much. I appreciate the time today.
3: Thank you, sir. We'll have better news next week. I'm confident about it.
0: I have faith. Thank I you. have faith myself as well. Uh, Michael Broadcorp, we'll come back, wrap up the show for a Monday. When we do return, it's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. It's the Matt McNeil Show. I do have, uh, I do have faith that... Um, that, that 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 things will turn around. And I do have hope for the Twins. I mean, that team yesterday looked like a World Series contender. Would you not agree with that? They looked like a World Series contender yesterday.
2: They absolutely did. And I kind of, I know uh, Michael brought this up, and I try not to let my head get too far ahead because Houston's still a good team. Oh, yeah. The Twins could very well lose to them. But I'm like, if the Rangers take out the Orioles, and we can hang on and win two of these next three games that – you know, mm. it, there's kind of my mind's kind of going places that are probably going to get me hurt. Sunny, Gray pitching tomorrow. Uh, yes, oh, and man. then uh, Thursday we don't know, but it'll probably be either Ryan, who was supposed to start game one, but was bumped back. What well, we'll see.
0: Well, I'll have to see. It could be over again.
2: Um, no, I, I've got
0: I, I've got faith. And once again, I, I hey, first of all, <clears throat> my mentality is. I like talking about what's going on in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yes, I'm a progressive radio show host. And I did, I mean, I think I got my progressive cred in here. But at the same time, I, you know, talking to Cliff Schechter about baseball, talking to Michael Broadcourt about football, this is what we talk about in this town. And there you go. I, I think it's, I, I, I enjoy doing it. Uh, so it's. it can't all be that way. Although not, tomorrow we'll have Cooligan uh, and J.P. Der Burgosian is going to join us from uh, This Queer Book Saved My Life. He's going to be in studio to talk about the podcast and stuff. I am looking so forward to chatting with him about that. Native Roots Radio is up next. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. We are back tomorrow. Until then, see ya.